but I hate when I feel like this and I never hated you. Neurotica is a weekly podcast going to the deepest, darkest parts of the mind and bringing them to light. Topics range on mental illness, behavior, and perception, and more. Please be warned, many episodes contain trigger warnings. If you ever have thoughts of suicide, please call the suicide hotline at 1-800-273-8255. Hey everybody, welcome to Neurotica, bi-mental, for-mental, or as I like to call it, BMFM. Uh, I'm really excited for today's episode. Uh, we're back from LA, we're back from our little holiday hiatus. Uh, I want to give a huge shout out and thank you to Fans Since 09, um, and everybody who listened to the episode is a very successful one. But talking to Fans Since 09, it made me think, you know, with the Phillies so exciting right now, maybe returning to prominence after they won in 2008, and you know, February 4th is a... a date I will never forget um, because the Eagles won the Super Bowl and that was really important to me in a lot of ways mentally and you know we talked about that with Sheamus and we talked about that a little bit with fans since 09 Um, but I was thinking those teams always to me felt like the teams for everybody like it really felt like a kind of um, all of Philadelphia was in it together and I think any championship run will do that but I've been thinking lately about the mental turmoil I go under because of the Sixers so I decided that invite my friend AJ today, who's going through mental turmoil because of the Flyers. How's it going, AJ? Oh, it's going as well as you'd expect for a Flyers fan. <laughs> yeah, you guys are literally in the dumpster fire right now. I I really just want to ignore lots of it until there's a decision made, because speculating has just been such a pain in the ass. Oh yeah, I'm sure. And <clears throat> honestly, I know I could have done a full Sixers episode because there's so much, and I know I could have done a full Flyers episode. The reason why I want to do this one together is because I feel like Flyers, Sixers, even though they play in the same building, have always been that team where like you zig or zag towards one of them, generally. You can like both, but I feel like most people I know lean a certain way. And it's also funny because I feel like they're, you know, good versus bad are always at opposite times, where the Flyers would be good and the Sixers would be bad and then vice versa. And obviously, I feel good right now being on the, the good side of the coin, but I have a lot of... Uh, mental issues because of Markel Fultz, but I feel like you're feeling it much, much worse, even though you haven't lost, like, a player you're in love with yet. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm a little losing it because of Markel Fultz, too, because, as you said, the Flyers are bad, so now that they're bad, I'm starting to pay attention to this like, just a little <laughs> bit more. Like, I can't talk about them in depth, but I'm enjoying the games. Yeah. With the Flyers, it's kind of like, well, I know what we should have, but they're just so goddamn frustrating because you know how good they're supposed to be that it's like, I'll just ignore them for a little bit. Okay. Yeah, so anybody who's not really being a sports for context, the Flyers um, have a terrible coach they should have fired. They fired <laughs> the GM, and then they went on to fire an assistant coach and assistant GM. Yeah. So that coach that is terrible is still in place. Um, every GM candidate I've seen them thrown out, apparently not a good candidate from the fans' point of view. And there's no real plan for the future. Holmgren started stepping back in and doing his old stuff. But there was a time period where Holmgren was leading the Flyers to a greener pasture. Now, on the flip side, the Sixers, for a while, they went through their own little purgatory of, you know, the Doug Collins era, the Eddie Jordan era. There was obviously the Bynum fiasco. We'll get into a little bit of that. But now the Sixers are on the rise. There's a lot of talk of the process, and I feel like the fan base is splintering, and I have a specific blood war that we'll get into. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think it's really funny because, you know, we always talked about the torture of the Eagles, but they won, and people are still mad about them this year, which I give them a more pass versus Twitter does, it seems, but I get it. Like, you know, his team won the Super Bowl. You want to see him, you know, follow it up well, and they're not. But Sixers and Flyers, when's the last time we saw a championship? Oh, me and AJ have never seen a championship. The last Sixers was in 83. The last Flyers, I believe, was 76? 75. 75. So we haven't been alive for a championship. And even though we got to enjoy the Phillies and Eagles, because I'm a big Phillies and Eagles fan. I'm, you are as well. Yeah, I know you're an Eagles fan. I don't know how you feel about the Phillies. But we had the experiences. But our love child is these two other teams that have not won in a while. Um, so... How about this? Uh, AJ, why don't you give me your story of how you became a fan and grew in love with them, and I'll do mine, and then we'll just kind of talk about the last decade that's just been a horror for both teams in different ways. Okay, yeah. Um, I talked about this a little bit a while ago, 
on uh, one of the fan posts for BSH, BSH, not even radio, the Broad Street Hockey. Broad Street Hockey, shout out. And uh, I have been a fan since I was a child. This was kind of what I was raised in. Uh, my dad was a hockey fan. My uncles were hockey fans. So I didn't really have a choice in it. It was just a hockey household. I played hockey. Uh, I grew up with Lindros. I grew up with all the, like, the good era where I wasn't really paying attention. I didn't absorb a whole lot, but I knew it was good. I knew it was fun. It was enough to actually get me interested and make me want to watch it. Sure. Now, the past few years, especially since I'm, like, on Twitter and arguing with people all the time, <laughs> it's become a chore to watch them. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've been a passive Flyers fan, and when I watch the Flyers and they're good, I get really excited, but there's just something that never latches me on, and now it's this time where, like, everybody's fighting, and I'm just sitting back and, like, you, you guys want to watch the Sixers instead? <laughs> like, it's it's much more fun over here, I promise you. Yeah, like, I've turned off multiple Flyers games this season because there's a Sixers game on. I'm like, I'm not watching this shit. They're down four goals. They're definitely not coming back. I'm changing it. Yeah, so you were you were born into it, and now it's it's kind of finally souring. It sounds like you know after all the indoor years, and I'm I know you're still a fan. I know you'll always go back, but like this sounds like it's the first time ever where it's like I can't even stand the Flyers right now. Yeah, definitely. Like I can't stand them, especially with um like analytics and stuff, and just thinking about the game smarter has become more prevalent, especially yeah. in writing with Charlie and everything. I know what they're supposed to be. And when they can't perform to that level, I just, like, shut off. Yeah, and Haxtell just refuses to, you yeah, know, do like, anything about it. I see Laterra get on the ice for 10 more minutes than, like, Lindblom or something, and I get physically angry. Yeah. Whereas years ago, if they were playing a bad player, I wouldn't I wouldn't even notice. I'd be like, oh, that guy, he's not doing too well, but he's on the fourth line. What do I care? Yeah. It's like, right now, they've been under the most scrutiny possible, and just every single turn just turned the wrong way. <laughs> And, well, so that's the thing, though. You're born into it, and now you're really starting to feel it. For me, I never was a fan of any other sport but the Eagles growing up. Like, we were just the Eagles household. My dad just he didn't care about basketball or hockey. You know, Phillies is kind of like, you know, we might go over to somebody's house and are watching the Phillies, but he just didn't care about anything but football. Um, so I was always an Eagles fan. I remember crying in 2004. Like, I cared, you know, more about winning the Eagles a Super Bowl than anything else in my life. Like, it was a part of me, but... Sometime around high school, you know, I like turned into a teenager or maybe a little bit middle school. I got really into the Phillies. So I got into them probably 2005, 2006. So they hadn't quite made their run yet, but they were on the up and up. And I started watching the Flyers and the Sixers. And I remember mostly getting excited for the Phillies because they're good. But something about Sixers games always draw me in and they always found a way to disappoint me. I think every single game the Sixers played against the Celtics, every single one, it was somehow the Sixers were up two and Ray Allen hit a three in the corner. Every single game. I don't understand how that keeps happening. I don't know why they didn't just decide to guard him at some point. Every single game. And we went through a lot of just mediocre, like, we had promising pieces. They never put it together. And, you know, like, Andre Godala was, like, he was scrutinized. He's this flawed superstar. Lou Williams is just this chucker. And Thad Young came. He was exciting. Drew Holiday. And, like, you, these guys are all still in the league and still high-level players, but just something about them at that time it was never going to put together. Yeah. Coaching was bad. Yeah. And then we had this one year where things went horrible. And I remember, and this is kind of a theme that you'll notice through the podcast, fall in love with a man named Evan Turner. <laughs> Terrible idea. But like I would watch Evan Turner every time he's in the game. I'd watch him and I'd root for him and just hope that he turns it around. And that's kind of happening right now on Markel Fultz. It's the same story. I get, yeah. I, I notice him on the floor more than anybody else. I, I fell in love with him, my favorite player. But before we get to that, you know, we had that horrible year. We get Evan Turner. Team starts to pick it up. But they have Doug Collins, who just like loves long twos, which the analytics say are horrible. He keeps running his players in the ground. We get this final promise of superstars coming. Andrew Bynum. Well, Andrew Bynum, if if you've like followed any of the Philly sports like uh, injury stuff, that the the real PTSD comes from Andrew Bynum, not Joel Embiid's first broken foot, because Andrew Bynum, we were told, he's he's gonna be back in a month. He'll be back in a month until 
it wasn't just his season was over. It was like his career's over. Yeah, that's like the beginning of the oh the injury gets pushed back and back. And yeah, back. and we had him for one year, and thank God we didn't sign him to an extension. But that was the only year we ever had him. We gave up Iguodala and we gave up picks, and everything fell apart. And Doug Collins got fired, and a GM got fired, and a new GM by the name of Sam Hinkie came in, and I adored this man he was my role model i'm not going to get fully into the process you can read about that hear about that um but i love the cult yeah we talked about that cult you can go back to that episode with me and bobby i believe that's episode two um we talked about that but i was working at as an intern in the 80 centers i wanted to work for them too and um yeah i you know got to meet sam hinkie i was so excited and then hinkie gets fired Joel Embiid keeps breaking his foot, you know, drafts Jaleel Okafor, drives on the freeway at 100 miles per hour and can't, like, make a jump shot to save his life. And then you get Ben Simmons, and he breaks his foot, and Nerlens Noel is stinking up apartments with weed and getting into fights with people, and Joel is just drinking Shirley Temples. Like, it seemed like every single week the Sixers were laughing stop of the league. They were losing on purpose, but we all believed, you know, this is for a reason. And then... You know, Joel came and he he was amazing. He was better than ever expected. Ben Simmons has been everything we've wanted. And then it's supposed to end with Markel Fultz. And to understand why I was so in love with Markel Fultz is Embiid and Simmons are superstars. And I get that some people are fine with Embiid and Simmons and now Jimmy Butler, which is another thing I'm going to get to. But Markel Fultz was the exact player I wanted for the whole time I watched the Sixers. I love James Harden. People said he's James Harden meets Dwayne Wade. And I was like, holy shit, that's the only player I've ever wanted on the Sixers. You know, I wanted Evan Turner to be some kind of like Magic Johnson because I thought that'd be great or something. But I really just wanted like a shooting guard that could shoot. Ed didn't go as planned. <laughs> His shoulder fell off. And again, I, I'm not going to get in depth the whole story because it goes on and on and on and on. I will get in depth of my mental anguish because that was like me saying, look, my player's there. It wasn't like a player I loved. It was like my player and it couldn't have gone worse. Now the Sixers made it right when they traded for Jimmy Butler as a player I loved for years. But then Jimmy Butler underscored how divided our fan base truly is, even though we're doing well. And I have a blood feud from a certain WIP host who will I not be named, <laughs> who is um, saying things that I don't believe are in the best interest of the team. I think the best interest is of his podcast, but we'll get into that potentially. I don't know. There's a lot of things I'm throwing out here, but the point is the Sixers are fine right now. We are one of the best teams that we've ever been, but there's always that thought in the back of my head. If Markel Fultz is the player he should have been, we'd be unbeatable. Now, let's rewind some more. Flyers. Flyers had a run like that. Well, let's talk about that. That was... After 2010, you really thought they were just going to get better and better, and then... Well, give them context. What happened in 2010? In 2010, the Flyers got to the Stanley Cup Final. Uh, Game 6, I believe it was, we had a whole rotation through the playoffs where the coach, Peter Laviolette, was just switching out goalies and playing like Russian roulette with the goalies, and you never knew who was going to be in net. So it was really a miracle that they got that far with these yeah. random switch-ups. But when that goal was in, I don't even remember who was in net. It might have been Netamaki, but I don't remember. Because the moment was just not a moment. Yeah, Everything on the ice stopped, and everyone in my house just kind of... It got quiet. Like, no one believed anything. And that really... Oh my god, that's... The beginning of the end, really, how we got here. It, it was the weirdest moment ever because I remember watching it. So Flyers are making a run, and you're right. They had no goalie. They just they had these random guys, but they had these players I was in love with. Richards, Carter, and this young man named Drew. I, w- I wonder what happened to him today. He's not you know relevant in the <laughs> league anymore. Um, but they had all these great players, and they're making this run. And it, it feels very much like the runs that the Giants made where it's like, you know, they weren't the best team during the regular season, but just something about them in the postseason was just so special that you thought nothing was going to stop them. And then, you know, even going to the Blackhawks series, I remember they're underdog, but just felt like, no, like, we're just this unstoppable. Us. This we, We're the team this year. We're the, the fairy tale. And it it's hard to explain what happened next. Maybe, AJ, you have better words for it than I do. Actually, uh, 
reminds me of the feeling that we all got before the Eagles won. Yeah. Like, there was no question. It was, we are winning this. There's not even a worry. Yeah. Which is weird for a Philadelphia sports fan. Yeah, exactly. And with the Flyers, it was kind of the same thing because we were down to Boston the round before three games, and that looked like it. Yeah. And then they were down three goals in that fourth game. I know. I remember that. And then Simone Gagne brings us back, and it just felt like a fairy tale. And the commercials with that, what if you never give up? What... Yeah, and it was like the I don't remember if it was the first time in hockey or like the third time because I know like between hockey and um, basketball, it's only happened four times ever that yeah. a team is down three nothing in a series and came back and won it. And that was just like, how can we be stopped? How can you beat this? And we get to the the cup and you know trading games back and forth, and then we go into game six, and it you know it's a must win, but. You know, I feel like the wind was out of the sails at that point. I think all of us kind of settled down and went, this is potential reality now. But they got us excited again. Yeah. And we're, we're feeling like, no, no, we're, we're not going to quit. We're not going to quit. We go into overtime. Patrick Kane, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Shoots a shot. And it was the most bizarre thing I've ever watched. Because, like you said, everything stopped. Nobody celebrated. Nobody nope. got sad. Nobody knew what was happening. And I think that becomes a microcosm of the Flyers lately is that <laughs> it was so upsetting. Your team lost the championship, but it wasn't even that like strong heartbreak. It was just like 20 minutes like, what? what the fuck just happened? Yeah. And I remember I met a guy when I was working at Famous Footwear and you know, he could have just been blowing smoke, you know, <laughs> habitual liar, just wants to sound cool. He said he was the guy who was responsible for just hitting the button to light the lamp. And he said, from where I was sitting, I could not see either. And if that's true... Because they didn't, nobody lit the lamp. It just, yeah, it, it just, wasn't up. It just wasn't there. And if you haven't put it together right now, or not a Flyers fan, Patrick Kane scored a goal that nobody saw go in, but everybody was like, "I think he might just have scored." And if you don't know hockey, that sudden death, that was overtime. Patrick Kane won the championship for them on a play where everybody was just sitting, like thumb up their ass for twenty minutes trying to figure out what's going on, and then it was, "Oh, Flyers won the, or uh, Flyers lost the final." Blackhawks won the final, and it didn't feel like a championship. It just felt like a game. This is the most Flyers thing ever. Okay, cool. And yeah. then from there, what happens next? Trade Richards and Carter, blow everything. Purge. Up. Yeah, just completely get rid of everything. And it's one of these. Um, it's one of the storylines in hockey where a team who gets to the playoffs and then loses feels like they have to blow everything up. Like, yeah, this, this is as far as we go with these guys. So let's yeah, get exactly, new ones. Which is a a terrible idea but they did it anyway and oh my god you just have to suffer through players like Jody Shelley and all the goalies Baran Itamaki uh, Mason and it's just nothing has ever lived up to anything but the, I think the funniest part about those trades were is you know I was so against it I I loved Richards and Carter I know Richards had this like glue personality like he was on these commercials he like Hi, I'm Mike Richards. Come down to Kia Nissan and buy a new Volvo, I guess. Like, he looked like he truly was, like, in the process of dying mid-commercial, but he was okay with it. And then Carter's just, like, this Playboy kind of guy. Like, he he was, like, the the Iceman or, you know, whatever. He was dragging Richards around all those parties. Yeah, and he was this cool guy, and suddenly they're gone but the funniest part about it is they were kind of the right trades i don't know how you feel about it but mm. it's hard at the time it was like these this is the worst decision ever made it but it really was and it was it was so out of nowhere too because i wake up and it's on the news and i'm like wait no and it happened back to back this isn't like yeah. it happened one minute and another and it wasn't like we had a build up to it it was just your favorite team that just made the finals traded their two best players for and no reason. it was right after they signed them to big new contracts. Yeah, and yeah, this young kid, Drew, you're excited about, but you're like, he's not ready. Drew is good, but we need these two guys that we can go further, and they're gone. And that, that's, even if you don't, like, watch sports and you, you don't want to hear these random names and they mean nothing to you, just understand, though, it's like, that's like if you were working on a huge, like, creative project that you really cared about, and then, like... You were getting banned or something. The drummer's just like, I'm going back to school. You're just like, what the (laughs) fuck? We're about to tour. We're about to just take this on the road and just celebrate. And, you know, I I remember that moment of being, 
I probably like, all right, I guess I'm watching the Sixers. Like that was like kind of it. Like <laughs> maybe that was my turning point. Maybe I would have been a Flyers fan right alongside you blogging, but I, I want Sixers. And while that was happening, the Sixers were mediocre and they kind of blew it up, so to speak, when they traded Iguodala and then didn't re-sign Thaddeus Young or Lou Williams and they traded Drew Holiday for two first rounders and everybody's and Evan Turner eventually traded, Lavoie Allen eventually traded. And everybody's like, what if we kept this together? No, that team sucked. That team was not winning a championship. That team was the perfect compilation of above average people. And that does not win you much. Like, if you want to yeah. be like that Atlanta Hawks couple of years where they were the most boring team ever but was never going to win the championship, sure. Uh, have a cool second-round exit. Fun. Yeah, really. They have a, an okay team, but they're not going to win anything, and you know it. Yeah. But th- then it was passive. You know, it was like I would get mad about a Sixers game, but I would just get mad about them until the next Sixers game. Now I get furious about the Sixers at any little thing that comes out. If I even see a tweet that Joel Embiid like farted too loud on Chestnut Street, I have like a serious mental breakdown. And this Markel Fultz stuff could not be driving me more insane. And here's oh here's the best part. Like, big part of me, like everybody gave up on him and I was still there. And like even at this point, I can't give up on him. But we did a Secret Santa and my friend Dan, shout out Dan. He got me a bobblehead. You can see it right here, AJ. Yeah, yeah. It's a beautiful bobblehead. I love it. It's Markel Fultz, and I love the bobblehead so much. I'm back in on Fultz. <laughs> it's just that little thing. Yeah. Right? You're not fully be- out. Because I was never going to be fully out. If he gets traded in our team, I'm going to be rooting for him to succeed now or rooting for him to fail just so I don't feel like we missed out. Like, yeah. And it's such a weird place to be, but you know that was all of me putting this on. Like, even buying him, like, I wanted him, I wanted him, I wanted him, but like he didn't mean anything to me yet like markel fultz like i was eating breathing and sleeping the sixers and now i'm fighting with people online about whether the sixers should assign lebron james like what the fuck happened like people that i don't know are arguing me about the sixers and now i'm in a blood war with a wip producer and i just revealed a bunch of tweets about one of their uh, other people being a huge homophobic racist. It so, really drags you in quickly. Yeah, my life has changed <laughs> a lot in the past couple of years. And I'm going to be honest with you. The day that the report came out that Markel Fultz was looking for a change of scenery, I was going to a Sixers game. And I remember people just posting, he's got to go, he's got to go, fuck him, no more Steve. Yeah. I almost cried. Over this guy who just can't make a jump shot, I almost cried. And I remember watching the summer league game and Kevin Durant's tweeting how great he is and just feels like everything clicked and you finally got what you wanted. Cause like Embiid, I didn't want him. I'll admit it. He had a broken foot. I want Andrew Wiggins bullet dodge. Brandon Ingram. I fell in love with for a while, but then I knew Ben Simmons was good. I love Ben Simmons. You know, Brandon Ingram somewhat bullet dodged like to a degree. Yeah. I mean, Jabari Parker bullet dodged in like, I want D'Angelo Russell. We got to leave for Not great, but still crying. And it's just like, I wrapped myself up in all this and I still get Joel and Ben. And that's part of what the process is. Just keep taking shots. And like Jimmy Butler has been one of my favorite players forever. People are split on him right now because they're like, you know, he's contract years, knees are in the ground, but I'm so happy. But to have all that still means like this part of me dies with Markel Fultz. And I don't want to do that. I just want to go to Sixers games, and enjoy them. And people are throwing out trades to me. And their trades are, like, very reasonable. Like, Markel Fultz, no value. Guy, slight value. And I'm like, no, it's not enough. And no, they're like, no, they're like, no, that's great value. I go, it's not enough for me emotionally. It's not enough value in my heart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I feel like now, on the flip side, the Flyers, like, they're, they're, I from what I've heard from people, it's like, how can you be loyal to any of the players? Because you know we're just so stuck. We're going to waste them anyway. And I've heard a lot of people say, these are my only untouchables, and they're much different from what the untouchables would have been a year or two ago. Oh, yeah. Like, especially because people are starting to throw out, like, the older guys, like Voracek, uh, Giroux, even Couturier, people are, like, dropping. They're like, oh, my only t- untouchables are Konechny and Provorov. I'm like, yeah, and I still like the core. I uh, like, I love Drew. Wayne Simmons is one of my favorite players ever, but I will acknowledge Wayne Simmons is the one dude that should be traded tomorrow. Like... I- and it's hard because – and that's always a big thing about sports, and I think that's the emotional level and being an emotionally unstable person is that you fall in love with players and they get traded, especially like the Carter-Richards thing was bad. But yeah. then you get Simmons, Voracek, and they're so lovable too. But you know, JVR was a, 
a mess and now he's back and he's loved again but i remember he was like the evan turner it was like evan yeah. turner and jvr together jvr was supposed to be the next piece of the core going forward yeah. and then whoop, he's gone too and who was selected before him do you not oh, remember i don't remember it was patrick kane Fuck. The man who who hit well, the game when he shot on us. Yeah, fuck him. He's a piece of shit, and he deserves to not be in the league at all. But like, that's that felt like even more. It's like JVR gave us nothing as a number two, and then the number one pick is yeah, the one who scores like, the goal. And I could be wrong about that. I'm not huge into hockey, but you know, all the torture of Philadelphia sports always comes down to the um, you know, the the curse that was for a while. With none of the championships, the Phillies broke it, and then the Eagles. Like you know, we get clowned on. We have no rings. The real torture underlying has always been the Flyers and Sixers fans. Mm-hmm. Like Sixers fans were fighting national media about whether it was right to win or lose, and now we're fighting each other about are we winning right? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, insane. We're winning, but are we doing it the correct way? Who cares? And then I I want to hear your in depth conversation about how you feel about how this has changed because I always felt like no matter what the sports Flyers fans. Like, they'd get angry, but they were always the most level set because the team just always performed at least some level. Like, the team was always at least a playoff team, and I never felt like there was going to be a Flyers fan that after a loss was going to be like, oh my god, I want to die, the same way an Eagles or Phillies or Sixers fan was. Now I feel like any Flyers fan on the street is liable to put a knife to my neck if I look at them funny. Like, what did you say about Hackstall? I'm like, I didn't say anything about Hackstall. Did you I say you, you like him? I, I thought you didn't like Hackstall. I don't like Hackstall. Why are you? And it's just, I, I, I mean, I think it's somewhere in this incoherent rambling you're hearing of us talk about our two teams. Like, you probably understand that these two people are completely broken at the seams because of these two teams. It's not the Eagles. It's not the Phillies. So, um, how's your sex life, AJ? <laughs> Let's relate that to the Flyers. No, but... I, I want to hear, like, your process of, like, you as a Flyers fan over the years, how you feel like the fan base has gone from, like, 0 to 100 on the anger scale. Not that it necessarily was always 0, but... Yeah. So, I mean, it definitely felt like because they were winning, there wasn't a lot of argument to be made. So it wasn't like, oh, well, fuck this guy. We're not winning the right way because we are kind of winning. Yeah. And with hockey, there's, like, it's really, like, the best team doesn't always win. Sure. So people are, like, more calm about it a little bit. Like, going into the playoffs, you get a little bit hype. You get, oh, well, this team is better. But it's not like, well, we're not hitting enough shots from the point. People are just, we're just calmer. But now there's, now we're analyzing the coach. Yeah. Now we're analyzing the lineup decisions. Now we're talking about the GM who was this legendary figure for the Flyers and how could he do us wrong like this? Yeah. And it's just brought up so much divided. Like, Hackstall's a good coach. No, he's not. And Who, where is the problem? Who's on the Hackstall's good side? I've seen plenty of people that go, there are actually people who, when Hextall was fired, started to say, oh, well, maybe it was Hextall who was making all those bad lineup decisions. As if Hextall had, like, a phone directly to the bench and was like, you know what, you better fucking sit ghost now or you're fired and that that's the thing about the flyers too is like i remember when ghost bear was the thing like it was the shirts and stuff and like he was so big and it seemed like an admitting disappeared i'm like did the team mismarket him or something everybody's like no the coach refuses to play i was like yeah what i thought he was like gonna be the star in the league i don't know what he is now i don't watch enough flyers to even have an idea if he plays or not well that's the thing he keeps getting like scratched and stuff and last year he had more points he had the most highest career points so far yeah and people were saying well he's regressing no he fucking isn't yeah i don't know what the hell they're looking at but they see that he gets scratched and they see the coach saying oh well he's a defensive liability and they think oh well he must be bad yeah so there's all these new points of argument that you could go over that just weren't there when they were decent or even middling yeah so i mean that I feel like you guys are hitting a low point. So I, I want to ask what's been your lowest point. as a Flyers fan ever. Is it the, is it the championship or is it now? It's, it's definitely now because even back at the championship, when they traded Richards and Carter, I was interested. I was still hype. I still thought like, Oh, well something could happen here. This and that. I can't wait to see what they do. Now I'm just like, well, I'll start caring what they do when they fucking fire this guy. Yeah. It's, it's get, gotten to the point where 
a lot of people online have said it, it's apathy. Like, I don't really care. What yeah. They- yeah, I think for me, Milo's point kind of, you know, hit the point where I almost quit watching the Sixers. It was Joel Embiid breaks his foot for the second time. Like, and Jaleel Kapoor and Nerlens Noel are just not anything. And none of these guys are developing. And you really start to question the process. Like, when are these assets going to become something instead of these busts over busts? And, you know, Dario Sarge is never coming over. Like, that becomes a whole thing. And you start to think, help might never be on the way. Like, maybe we need to lose forever. And this article comes out about Embiid. Like, you know, he's just drinking Shirley Temples. He's out He's out of shape. And, you know, you just start to think, man, all this losing is for nothing. And then we did get vindicated. But we didn't get vindicated the way we thought. You know, retweet Armageddon happens. Everybody's like, <laughs> Brian Colangelo is great. And then when it seems like we're still on the top of the world, we're set to sign LeBron James, the best basketball player in the world, Collargate comes out. I was going to say, and then it falls apart again. Yeah, and this GM that nobody really liked and everybody was against, but just seemed to be doing the right stuff enough, and he gets you Markel Fulci really excited, and and then you have a chance to sign LeBron James, and his wife is just tweeting at people like bullshit. And like I remember everybody was just soaking it in, and going, yeah, this is awesome. And I remember being, like, again on the verge of tears because I was like, this unraveled everything. This means no LeBron James. This means no star free agents. This means the next guy we hire is going to do his own thing and it's going to be just as stupid as Colangelo. And he's going to give a Jared Bayless 2.0 another, like, (laughs) middling contract, which isn't that bad, but it's still very bad. And, like, I was just so upset, and we went in the season, and I understood we were fine with just keeping the players we had this season, but still thinking to some degree, like, we might have just blew the one shot we had. Yeah, like, you could have taken a step forward. Yeah. It could have been better, but... Mm. And we didn't have a GM, so maybe we could have traded for Kawhi Leonard, but we didn't have a GM, and, like, all this time passes, and, you know, Jimmy Butler, oh, my God, he's available, and I, and in fact, in my head, I'm like, I've always loved Jimmy Butler, but everybody's right, you know, he's got a lot of mileage, and, like... You know, he's in a contract year and he's volatile. I'm like, I do love him a lot. And I think he'll fit really well. But I guess I guess people are, pe- maybe I'm the one just too in love, you know? Yeah. And as soon as it's even said that he's looking for a trade, uh, you know, a certain WIP host that I will continue not name has already written an article about he does not want Jimmy Butler on the Sixers. It's not, the Sixers have not been linked to him. And I exploded. And this is probably the start of, confrontational Cody and I I Asia you've read my Twitter for the most part my Twitter's just been nonsensical bullshit forever yeah. it is still nonsensical bullshit but something in him writing that article just like snapped my brain in half and I just could not stop myself from screaming at him and I do that now every single time he tweets and like say, there's been a pettiness to the nonsensical bullshit. And, and the thing is he ignores me as he should I'm, I'm gonna be very candid right now I'm going to say his name, Spike Eskin, because somebody's <laughs> going to add him anyway. I, He's, gonna... I compared him to um, the Barstool El Presidente oh like months ago, but he really just started getting on my nerves because I felt like, and I'm saying this to Spike right now, I feel like if you're listening at all, I think you've put your brand over the Sixers. I don't think you know what's happening in the games because you're not watching them, and I'm openly challenging Spike. And I've, I've told people I might do this, but I'm openly challenging Spike to a live debate about the Sixers. We will use some unbiased judge and I'm, I'm officially putting it on the, the table because I'm sick of yelling at you on Twitter. I think you're probably a decent dude. I don't hate you. Actually, I'm willing to bury all this. I'd like to do the event for charity. We sell tickets, but that'd be great. I, I don't want to keep yelling at you and you not acknowledging me. And it's just me bullying you while I feel like you're bullying other people, frankly. Um, but I think there's a divide in this fan base. I think I represent one side, you represent another, and I will publicly debate you about the Sixers and the philosophy of where we're going. Um, I'm not gonna. I don't want to talk about random stats. I just want to talk about you know the philosophy of the team. And I think it's gotten to the point where some of the people on Twitter, in particular, are just trying to get hot takey. And I think that he's a hot taker. Yeah, and that's like the thing with most people where. They're not awful people, but they say dumb shit and they actually believe it. Yeah, and I somebody like even defended him by saying he's very charitable. And Spike, you do a lot of great. I will admit that you do for a lot of fundraisers, a lot of great things for dogs. But I think what you're doing to the Sixers fan base is detrimental. And I'm willing to 
Friday Night SmackDown you at this Victory Beer Hall Xfinity or somewhere on the street. I don't care. I'm willing to prove that I am more in line with the Sixers than you are because you're putting on a face for our podcast. And I, I, I cracked your code, man. Like, I, I cracked it. Here's why you're seeing the spike asking you're seeing right now. Embiid and Simmons are stars, and Jimmy Butler is a star. But Sarich and Covington, two Sixers players, they were folk heroes of the process. They hit everything the process needed to be. That builds into the confirmation of everything he needed, which is fine. I did the same thing because Sarich is that international stash player that comes over, and he's better than everybody in a lot of ways. Covington is that guy that nobody wanted that is now one of the you know most covetable players yeah, in the it's league. Like, it's like a reclamation project. Everyone and, loves him. And then they were both traded for Jimmy Butler, and that was the real goal of the process to get stars. But it wasn't the star that Spike wanted. I don't think the star that Spike wants exists. I would love to see his ranking of NBA players. So I don't think his star exists. He's letting the good be the enemy of the great. Jimmy Butler, I'll admit, is not the slam dunk LeBron James. But Spike didn't even want LeBron James. So who does Spike want? Does he want just Covington and Sarge to become stars? Because that's not going to happen. Markel Fultz is not. And now he's even taking shots at Ben Simmons. And you have to ask yourself, why is that happening? Why is he taking so many shots at Ben Simmons and Jimmy Butler? Because it's easier for him to demonize them and vilify them than to build them up as folk heroes. He has to live and die by Sarge and Covington. They're gone. Maybe if you trade Fultz and one of the two for Kawhi, it's different. But no, we, we got Jimmy Butler, certified star. And it's not good enough because it doesn't fit what Spike's been preaching. So Spike, if you want to have this debate, I will do it for charity. So you have really no excuse. You have a way bigger following than me. You can embarrass me. Your guys can boo me the entire time. But if you think you know the Sixers, I'm putting this out there right now. I will reach out to you. I will be very kind now. I will. We can bury the hatchet on all the personal stuff. But I'm challenging you. I want to have a debate. That would be exciting. Yes, AJ's excited. AJ, the only man in my corner. the AJ, the <laughs> Flyers fan, is going to help me. Um, so, AJ, who do you want to call out? Who do you want to start a blood feud with and debate oh, publicly? Oh, I don't even have any blood feuds. I just stopped talking to the people who got on my fucking nerves. I got blocked by some Flyers people, and I don't... Who's oh, who's Broad Street Bull? That's Broad Sam... Street. That's the fake Sam Carcidi. He's fake? Yeah. Oh, wait, wait. Yeah, no, no, that is Sam Carcini. Yeah, that was about to say. I'm thinking of Broad Street bullshit. Okay, I've never heard of Broad Street bullshit. (laughs) Okay, I got blocked by Mike. Do not remember why. (laughs) Um, Not at all, but sounds pretty I used to be so calm on Twitter. I I basically said I would never argue anybody, but man, sports and my mental break is just... I used to be the opposite. used to be real... I used to be real... uh, Confrontational? Confrontational with people, and now I'm just like, if someone says something that gets on my nerves, it's like, block. I don't, and I feel bad about it a lot of the times, but at the same time, I think overall, everybody I've argued with, I would like, other than the, the maggot shots, I can fuck off. Everybody I've argued with, I'm like, at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm sure if I talk to this person, I'd like them and I don't disagree with them as a person, but I just really think that they're putting on a show. Um, unless you're tweeting horrible, racist, homophobic things, Mr. I'm not going to say his name, WIP, uh, <laughs> podcast person. Um, who should not have a job anymore. Spike, if you're listening, um, I can direct you some tweets. I'm not trying to get somebody fired, but at the same time, that dude's a piece of shit, and he probably should be fired. Um, yeah, AJ, tell us about the Flyers. Okay, no. I don't have a feud, Okay, say, but one guy for one of the websites I wrote for did try to steal my girlfriend after we, like, a day after we broke up. Well, good for him. It's weird. Call him out by name. <laughs> Let's start this feud. No, don't <laughs> Unless you want to. I don't really care. No, I don't think it's he not like I, works on the site anymore, so it's fine. He doesn't listen to this podcast. I can they guarantee you that. I know. Most of the episodes are by bots. Quarter Pub Sports. Quarter Pub Sports. But yeah, I used to write for them, and the way he um, reached out to me when I was doing my own blog was, I want all your work two days before you put it on your site. And I was like, <laughs> no. How'd that work? <laughs> like, how about I just edit? And he had people, like, he had me editing people's flyer stuff, and I would go like, okay, well, here's a suggestion, and they'd be like, well, I guess I'm fucking stupid. I, was like, I guess you are. I don't yeah. know. Goodbye. People can't take criticism. You know, probably shouldn't be writers. Um, yeah. So, but I know you wanted the work in the, in the flyers, right? Like, that's why you were blogging. Like, you wanted this to be your career. I know you're into photography as well, and you've kind of ventured in that. So. Why don't you talk about how this was supposed to be more to you than just the sports fandom? Oh, this was 
so this was a while ago. Um, when I first started college, uh, I figured, well, I can't play hockey anymore because I got my brain beat up too much. So what's the next best thing? And in case you're wondering, it's a real shame because AJ is about 6'5", 230 pounds, <laughs> all muscle, and he would have been the greatest forward of all time. But I run like a two-minute mile. You can... Yeah, just a, just a Herculean body, but uh, unfortunately the effects of CTE and, um, you know, surprisingly even though he's a hockey player – um, he did get some hush money from Roger Goodell. Oh, sorry, I'm not supposed to mention that. I'm going to get sued now. God damn um, it. Yes, but uh, you you saw this as a career. You saw this as life. Yeah. This isn't just a fandom. This is everything. So I I was in. Um... You stupid idiot. God damn it! I know. <laughs> Everyone's like, "Why the fuck would you write? There's no money in that." Like, well, it's fun. It's but fun. now it's not even fun. Yeah. Uh, so I started my own blog. Uh, to write about the Flyers because I was in community college and I wasn't really getting a lot of answers from local papers and stuff for internships and everything. So I was like, okay, well, I want a body of work. I want to start doing stuff. I want to practice. I want to get better. Yeah. So I started my own blog. Uh, Evening the Score was a little Flyers blog. And it was going all right for a while, but I was a goddamn, I was a goddamn idiot. And I would tweet, this was, I first got on Twitter because of this blog. Yeah. And I would, my personal account and my blog account were not separate. So yeah. I didn't know shit. I was learning. No, that's how you gotta do it. You process. just gotta spill some tea on accident through your blog. Yeah, Twitter. exactly. Oh my God, I was so stupid because I just, I didn't really watch football until a couple of years ago. So yeah. one of the first things I tweeted, I was watching an Eagles game against the Cowboys and I'm like, does anyone notice Tom Brady has a little cheat sheet on his wrist? Is he allowed to have that? And so, so I was like, are, are you serious? And I was like, <laughs> I guess I'm not. And deleted the tweet immediately. <laughs> yeah, big Cowboys great Tom Brady with the little cheat sheet. You're talking about Tony Romo, Tony I believe. Tony Romo. Fuck. So that's why I was waiting to make fun of you because you didn't even get the player right either. Make fun of me, please. He pulled up the pop filter. That's how angry he was. Filter. Like, I'm not going to be censored by this filter. God damn it. Um. Uh, no, but I, I I find that really this funny because I, I did the same anymore. shit. It <laughs> doesn't write because he doesn't know what he's talking about. Because I spell names wrong and then people are like, you spelled that name wrong. And then I'm like embarrassed as shit. I'm like, I can't ever do this again. Jesus Christ. But um, yeah, so I was writing and I was like, I don't really want to do this to make this my job. Yeah. Like the blogs now are like, we want to blog and we want our blog to become. The blog. Yeah. The Philly sports blog. Yeah, they want. There's a there's legitimately brand. a blog and podcast war going on in Philly, and you know it's it's do or die out there. You know we got our mini bar stool crossing broad. It's ridiculous. Shout out to that piece of shit over there crossing broad. <laughs> I'm gonna call it every. This is just a call out podcast. I was gonna say you're just gonna shit. I I call it a Flyers guy on as an excuse to say I'm I'm picking my <laughs> hockey fights now. Um, no, but Crossy Broad fucking sucks. He posts upskirt shit. I don't care if he fights back. Like that's that person's a piece of shit um barstool's a piece of shit so if if you don't like barstool you can block me or you like barstool no if you don't like barstool vote for me for a high school class president if you do like barstool find a barstool and shove it entirely up your ass unless you're into that kind of thing i i I like ass play people know that anyway talk about your life um (laughs) but i would get um so yeah i was i was writing i was just trying to like practice basically i was learning the rules of journalism as they say as i went along but people would comment on be like you're you're a fucking idiot and then i would see fair fair criticism which which, fair but please don't call me out constructive i'll work on that you can call me out but i am going to cry yeah (laughs) and then i'd see like like little dinky shit like quarter pub where they're they have a misspelling every four words and they got everything wrong and they rip shit off from another site. And I'm like, why is no one attacking these people? Why am I getting attacked? I'm linking back to things I'm doing correctly. And then um, my big like fallout from blogging, I guess, was one, uh, everyone that I had writing under me who I was managing and stuff ditched me. They said, we don't want to do this anymore. Yeah, I had class. I had to go. <laughs> <laughs> they went heard. and started their own fucking website. What's it called? Call it out. Philly is Flyer. Never heard of that. Sounds well, garbage. Well, yeah, they're... Oh, I have... Listen. <laughs> I'll get to one of theirs in a minute. Ooh. Because that was a big thing. I love it. Spill the tea, AJ. Spill the tea! But yeah, there was this guy... 
Bob or Rob or some kind of shit. Bob Rob. Bob Rob. I don't know what the fuck his name was anymore, but he was like a writer for the Phantoms. He had press credentials and shit. And okay. He was like, I want to contribute he, some stuff for you. He's the number one Phantom. Oh, yeah. He's, he, <laughs> Phantom. he's the Phantom. <laughs> he's the fan. The Phantom. Phantom since Sonata. Jesus Christ. Oh, is that who Fan- he is? Fancy Sonata is now sponsoring all episodes of my podcast. I was say, people are going to get really mad at his secret identity because they do not like this guy. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. He was accused of stealing work. Fancy Sonata was. Yeah, Fancy Sonata. <laughs> shit. But um, I was like, okay, you can contribute stuff. And I let him do that, and I was working. I wasn't really paying attention to my own blog. I had kind of dropped it, left it aside. Yeah, you're a drunk. We understand. Yeah, I was, like, going right out to work and putting down 340s. It's whatever. As one does. <laughs> I wasn't watching the Flyers because they sucked. But he... I get a tweet that is just... I think it's one of the Travises that runs from the SB Nations, and he's like, oh, I'm glad to see this site stole our picture. And I look at it, and it has the title, and I'm like, that looks familiar. Oh, fucking no. <laughs> and I go on my blog, and that's, it's one of this guy's articles. He had stolen a picture from Kate Freeze and put it on the thing. And so I got, like, publicly called out, and I was like, I ran through the blog, I shut everything down, I deleted his pictures, I deleted him, and I got a lot of support after that, like, good for you, good for supporting the photographer, good for getting rid of that guy, but then I just didn't feel like doing it again. Yeah. That, it, like, hurt so much, and I'm, like, so paranoid about everything now, I was like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, I mean, I feel the same way about podcasting, it's actually my last one, see ya. (laughs) You're gonna break this down, right? No, I, I mean, I've had that moment. It's, it's like, I think when you're doing something creative as a side project, like like this podcast with the one I had before, which did fail, it's like any little th- hurt to your psyche is just like one more thing that pushes you off of it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's what's so funny is like, you know, you hear so much from people who know you that are like, it's just a sport. It's just a sport. It's like, this was everything. This was, I was at my real job thinking about my hobby and like, you know, for me, I was never a Sixers blogger. I, I'd maybe written a thing or two, but I mostly talked to my friends about it. So it was never my career, but like it became part of my identity. And like when they lose, I lose. So it was like Markel Fultz died, I died. Like, you know, and even and like Flyers, that's what's so interesting about it. It's like the Flyers, it's like it's been a lot of the same cast of characters for a while. And just different things went wrong. But Sixers, like, I've gone through so many iterations, different people latching onto different players that just weren't it. And now that I've got some success, got to find something else, bro. (laughs) Got it. We drafted a dude, and he broke his foot. Like, the pick before, and then the pick before him. And I went, eh, whatever. Par for the course. And that was Zaire Smith. And then he he got an allergy, and that pushed him back. And I went... Who's Zaire Smith? Like, I literally <laughs> forgot who he was, but then I heard about it. I was like, oh, good looks, man. He's got a NAR problem. Nice. And, and it just, like, I, we were the losers. And I remember there was an article. I think it was Michael Bauman, but I could be misquoting. He he, he went back to Liberty Ballers to write, like, one, because he's a, a Phillies beat writer now, I think. Well, not really beat. I think he might be on the ringer. He's on the ringer. Okay. Yeah, he, he writes for the ringer, and I, I love that site. And um, But he wrote just this article, and it was just, like, the headline just kept getting repeated. And it goes, uh, I, I will misquote this, but my team's performance is not a reflection of me as a person. Because a lot of us Sixers fans felt it after a while. Even when we knew losing was the right thing to do and we were losing, it it dragged you in this place for a while. And I wasn't watching a lot of Sixers games, so I did. It felt like I hitched my ride to this losing team. I might be this huge loser. And to feel it now, you're like, yeah, we're the winners but for me, I still hitched it all to Markel Fultz, and I'm mm-hmm. like, I'm an idiot. I'm a loser. I'm a failure. I, I wasted my time again. Yeah, it's really like, I like this player. Was I an idiot to like this guy? Because yeah. Because there were other people that said, well, I don't like him. Was I the moron? And he's and it's, it's not that he's a bust. It's that something went seriously wrong. Yeah. The player that we saw in Summer League is not the player we got at training camp, and it, it's it's crushing because... Maybe the Sixers win a championship and it's all fine. Maybe they don't and it's a what if. But at the end of the day, I don't get to see that. It was like the same thing with Beat. Everybody's like, 
the whole league wants to see Embiid. Like, we could be deprived of one of the best ball, basketball players ever if we don't have Embiid. I'm not saying Fultz is going to be that, but there was some level of Fultz that I wanted to be, and I will never see that again. It doesn't matter if he gets right. Most likely, he will not be that three-point shooting, driving, dishing, you know, super athletic to guard anybody guard he's going to be a shell of what he was most likely and i'll always be pulling for him because it's me i'm pulling for the basketball player i wish i was and of course this bobble head i have the shoulder bobbles a lot too it's very odd um what's going on with my bobble head i keep taking it to these um these like guys who are very good at um you know fixing um, I guess you call them specialists. And I've been taking them for this week and into next week a little bit. And they just can't seem to get that shoulder to stop bobbling. I feel like that's the part that's supposed to stay in place. The head's supposed to bobble. But, no, I, I love this bobble head. And, you know, I don't I don't think I could we could even in another five hours capture the hurt and the pain that the Flyers and Sixers have brought us. But, you know, I'm, I'm still optimistic for the Sixers in the future – you know, what do you see for the Flyers? Like, is it go to tanking or is it just get somebody else in and try to salvage what you have? Hopefully, like, it seems like the right thing is to just keep on the course. Yeah. Like, we're in a good place where we have these prospects that could come up. There just needs to be a little adjustment where they get to play. Yeah, I've been I've been excited about these prospects. They sound like A kind of prospects I keep hearing about, or at least Bs. And I'm even not as a Flyers fan, I so badly want them to be good again because as a more casual fan than I admit, like, I can't watch any of those games where they're losing. I need them to have a couple wins. And that's just the nature of casual fandom. And, you know, it, it's the same thing I talk about Phillies fans who just went through this rebuild. It's like when I picked the Sixers, there was always time for Eagles, but I had to commit to the Sixers mm-hmm. to a certain degree because watching all the Phillies losing might have actually sent me into the psych ward. And Chris Jones, my good friend, he picked the Phillies. I picked the Sixers. I think I talked about this last episode because if you do both, you might not make it out on the other side. Yeah. All right. So, you know, Flyers, we'll see what happens. Sixers are winning. Very excited to see where that goes. Hopefully, Flyers get it turned around. AJ, what are you up to these days? What do you want to plug? <laughs> nothing. Okay. Nothing to plug. Well, give them your Twitter, at least. Oh, my Twitter is at extrasauce underscore. Uh, you can go and follow me. I don't really talk about hockey anymore unless it's very angry. He just talks about pimples on his butt. It's very specific and very off-putting, but I love it. I did a whole thing about terminator today because that was on i like how you didn't deny the fact i said pimples in your butt and people could be like oh he must have had a tweet thread i didn't (laughs) you never have tweeted that i want them to go look for it yeah um right now instead of plugging all my social media accounts um on my social media accounts though currently i am um still raising money for no shave november it is december now but um the final product has come in and aj just helped me record uh as promised lip sync -sync video which i expect should be out before this podcast but um I'm keeping it open for at least another week. Um, if I hit my $500, I'll keep the stash and keep posting updates throughout the month of December. But um, please help me. It's for American uh, Suicide Foundation. I don't think I exactly quoted that. But obviously, this podcast will show you that's something you really care about. So um, if you're a fan of the podcast, you already know my Twitter. Um, please donate if you can or at least help someone in need. Um, so it is the holiday seasons. People are going to get kind of sad, especially people who have experienced loss. Please check in on them. Um, just remember, you know, the couple minutes you give to check in on somebody could save a lifetime. So um, thank you for listening to Neurotica. Um, Spike asking, I'm very serious. Let's debate. <laughs> um, I called out too many people. I'm sorry if people are angry at me. But um, thanks for listening, and I hope you'll listen again. All right, bye. We didn't cry enough. We didn't cry enough. <laughs> <laughs>